Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. It is Labor Day. Happy Labor Day to everyone out there. Hopefully you're having a fun time, fun weekend um, outside of that Miami-Alabama game. Uh, But we had press conferences today with Manny Diaz, Rhett Lashley, and Travaris Robinson speaking to the media. So we want to recap that and also just provide some more thoughts uh, now that we've had some distance from that Miami-Alabama game. So let's get into it. Um, you know, after re-watching the game, I definitely had some, just some quick thoughts, I guess, um, to share. Uh, let's start with offense, right? Um, you know, to me, obviously, the first half, it, it, it was what it was. Gabby, you and I talked about how important it was going to be for Miami to come out, if they were going to compete in this game, to come out and show that they could handle the uh, step up in physicality, step up in speed, uh, step up in pure talent that they would experience in that first quarter, especially considering it was game one of the season. Um, you know, things are just in general happening a lot faster in these game ones. Um, Miami obviously did not do that. And to me, they just looked like a bunch that was overwhelmed by the height, weight, speed of that Alabama front. Um, you know, I'll say it was noticeable that when justice valuation came in at right tackle, he was the better option there instead of DJ Scaife, um, you know, I do, it is worth kind of providing context, right? Cause DJ Scaife struggled against Christopher Allen on that play in particular. And Christopher Allen sustained an injury that has now knocked him out for the season. Um, so, you know, justice necessarily didn't have to go against, um, Christopher Allen or Will Anderson the entire game. But there were situations where Will Anderson was lined up across from Justice, and he, you know, did a solid job um, handling those situations. I think Pro Football Focus had him with one allowed pressure on about 35 pass blocking snaps, um, and that one pressure allowed was the least amount of um, of the group of the offensive line group. So. Um, it looks like he's going to get an opportunity to start this week against Appalachian State, and we'll see if he can make the most of it. Another thing that stood out to me, Will Mallory, um, only two targets, I believe. Um, I thought, you know, coming into the game that he was a potential, you know, I, I didn't see very many potential mismatches 
against this Alabama defense coming into the game. I did think if they schemed it up right, uh, they could create some matchups for Will Mallory against linebackers that uh, could have been advantageous. Um, you know, they were looking for Mallory and Alabama sniffed it out a couple times in the red zone on those little passes out to the flat, the rollouts that Miami likes to run with Will Mallory. Um, so they weren't able to get him the ball that way. But in general, I would have liked to have seen them get the ball to Will more than they did. Um, just my take two, Gabby. You know, it's tough judging uh, Cam Harris against this Alabama front. But to me, it just seems like Don Chaney has a better feel, um, better vision. And I'm kind of ready to start making that switch, start making that move. The snaps between them, quite frankly, were pretty even by the end of the game. But, um, you know, most of those snaps for Don, I would say, came in the second half when the game was kind of already in hand for Alabama. I'd like to see Don start getting some first half snaps moving forward, see if he can take advantage of that opportunity. Um, and just the last thing I'll touch on on offense, Dear King, um, you know, he, he, he looked, I don't know if like Rusty's the best way to say, but he didn't look like himself out there. Now he was he was definitely battling out there and, and I think he deserves credit for that, for showing his toughness. Um, but there was just something missing. He, he didn't really look quite comfortable out there like we had seen last year. And maybe partly, you know, that's due to the talent and, and ability of Alabama's defense. Um, I think the offensive line having its struggles in the first quarter kind of set the tone in that regard too for Derek Derek not really being able to settle in and get comfortable. Um, but at the same time, and Rhett Lashley noted this too in the press conference today, Derek did a nice job of, you know, in the late second quarter slash second half, um, when they did block it up, he did do a nice job throwing some deep balls, giving the receivers chances to make plays on the balls and I believe they picked up two pass interference penalties. Um, and then they did complete one to Xavier Restrepo. So uh, I, I do feel like that, you know, that deep ball thing was a, was a question for Miami's offense last year. Um, you know, there's reasons for optimism that maybe that will be improved this year when they are not playing defenses like Alabama. Um, Anything with those points you want to tackle, Gabby, or anything else you might want to add to that before I get to the defense? No, I mean, I mean, I feel like I'm just to sort of agree with you with a few of those things. I mean, I thought Don Chaney showed a, a, a just some nice things again. I feel like he's someone that, I mean, we've talked about a bunch of times as just someone that who could potentially take over that running back one spot. Um, I did like the way that he ran the ball in that game. I mean, I feel like there wasn't a ton to really go off of, but it did feel like. You know, I would definitely agree with you that, you know, it felt, it felt like he was just, he just looked a little bit just like better out there, maybe a little bit smoother, maybe a little bit more comfortable. Uh, you know, taking that leap from freshman year to sophomore is generally a pretty big one. 
Um, you know, I think Don Chaney has the potential, at least maybe over the course of the season, to you know have that sort of growth. So I again, I would like to see Don Chaney maybe t- take take that next step. And I mean, with the Dear King thing that you're sort of t- talking about now, like I feel like I, that's what I was basically trying to say on the last podcast. I feel like I've gotten some people telling me like, oh, like you're saying these things about Dear King. Like, no, I'm not saying. I just didn't think he looked you know, a hundred percent, like the Dier King that we've seen in the past. A lot of that has to do with the things you mentioned, the offensive line pressure, you know, there was a couple of things that, you know, maybe Alabama sort of just took out of Miami's game plan. Like the Will Mallory weren't really able to find him other than like that first drive where you sort of like dunked one off to him. You know, um, I just thought, I, I think maybe his best football 2021 is ahead of him still. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, again, it wasn't really a knock on him. I thought he played a, you know, a really he you played know, ball good yeah. within the context of, He's coming up eight months off his ACL yeah, exactly. and he's playing against the best defense in the country. Right. It, so it was, within that task. context, he played well, but it wasn't good enough. If that makes sense. Yeah. Right. And maybe it's unfair to expect him exactly. to, to be good enough to beat Alabama yeah. um, defense. You know, I think it was obvious rewatching the game. Corey Flaggett and Keontre Smith are at a different level than the pairing of BJ Jennings and Wayne Steed. Um, just looking at the snap counts, it seemed like generally speaking, right, Flag and Smith played um, two-thirds of the game on defense while BJ Jennings and Wayne Steed played one-third. I think it's time to just kind of let Flag and Smith run with it. Um, you know, you're always going to rotate some guys in here and there, but I think it's just time to make that move. Flag and Smith are, are clearly clearly the guys. I was impressed, honestly, with Flag's performance. He was he was better than probably I thought he would be. Um, I liked how Miami got creative with him as a pass rusher. Yeah. They even they had him, you know, delayed blitzes. They had him uh, rushing off the edge sometimes, yeah, and he kind of did. He did pretty well off the edge, uh, getting pressure on the quarterbacks uh, or on the quarterback. And, uh, you know, I think it's, it's a big positive to build on with Corey flag. Hopefully he can keep improving Keontre, you know, obviously his speed pops. Um, the tackling is an issue in my opinion, you know, just wrapping up, uh, you know, particularly Brian Robinson, who's a load six foot two, 225, the Alabama running back. Um, he ran through some tackles. I think he averaged, according to Pro Football Focus, five yards per carry after contact. Um, And just for point of reference, anytime a running back can average four yards per carry after contact, that is elite. So Miami kind of struggled in particular with Brian Robinson. Um, And look, as a whole, Miami's run defense, you know, from a production standpoint in terms of what they allowed, it was good enough. It was, you know... I think before the game, if we told you Miami was going to allow about 145 yards rushing, everyone would have taken that, right? Um, but on the flip side, Miami could not stop the passing game. Um, and, and really, that boiled down to, and, and you know, Miami's coaching staff, quite frankly, has admitted this. It boiled down to Bryce Young being better than they expected. Um, and, and watching the game again, You know, Miami did a lot of creative things with blitzing um, to uh, try and disrupt Bryce Young, try and get him off his first stop spot. 
and um, he's just that dude that can handle those situations with poise, uh, avoid those guys, keep his eyes downfield, and, and still make plays in the passing game um, when he does have to scramble to pick up yards, and he throws the ball with accuracy on the run too. Um, you know, today, Gabby, I think I, I read somewhere that Bryce Young is now the favorite, the, the betting favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. <laughs> um, you know, I do think he's a special, special quarterback. And, you know, Miami's best chance was to try and disrupt him. And they tried. I think there was plenty of times where, you know, 95% of the other starting quarterbacks in the country, Miami would have had some negative play of some sort or no gain of some sort. And Bryce Young made a play on those plays. So they definitely went up against a special quarterback. And in a lot of ways, you know, it was a star is born type of situation with Bryce Young. Um, you know, I do think to me, to Corey Couch played a really good game. Um, I don't think he was targeted in coverage at any point, And he made a bunch of impressive tackles in space um, where if he doesn't get the ball carrier on the ground, it's going to pop for a really big run. So to Corey Couch, not the biggest corner on Miami's roster, but he did a nice job standing up against the run. Um, you know, Tyreek Stevenson, they kind of picked on him, I think, some with the little quick hitch routes. Yeah. Um, so we'll see if he can kind of get that cleaned up a little bit better moving forward. And um, that's pretty much all I got on defense. Anything else to touch on there? No, I mean, I, I think you nailed it. I mean, Tyree Stevenson, I feel like just we saw it like on that first drive of the game where he had like, it was like third and seven opportunity to get off the field. They just run that little hitch route right on the sideline. Tyreek Stevenson just isn't able to break it up. It's fine. I mean, I feel like it is what it is. Uh, you know, defense. I'm trying to think of like anything else I saw defensively. I mean, we were just to reiterate years. I thought I, Corey Flag. I mean, I know they say he has long arms. I think you did see a little bit of that with the pass rush, like him coming off yeah. the edge and all that stuff. Like, I think I, I, I was also pretty impressed by him. I thought that that was a, a, a solid performance. And yeah, I want to see more of four and 11 on the field rather than 44 right. and 17, uh, 150%. I just thought, I thought there was a noticeable drop. Yes. Um, like, you know, I thought there might've been a noticeable drop when Bo Bolden was out and camera kitchen stepped in, didn't really see one. And then, but I do, I did feel like, you know, at linebacker, it was, it was pretty apparent. So yeah, with Steed and Jennings, Alabama was getting to the edges quite easily. Yeah. Um, and there was a, a lot of potential for some gash runs when Steed and Jennings were in the game. So, uh, hopefully Manny Diaz makes that move just go with flag and Smith and judging by his comments during the press conference today, you know, it seems like things are trending that way. Um, so let's, let's, I, we kind of talked about this in the instant reaction podcast, but you know, now that we are what 48 hours away from that game. So there's more space, you know, time to think about it. We've seen more college football games being played, right? Um, you know, does the result of that Alabama game to you change any of your thoughts on this team? 
I mean, honestly, not really, man. Like, I mean, I mean, I think Manny Diaz had a point when he said that this is what man, was what Alabama does to everyone. I know a lot of people don't like to hear that or don't want to hear that sort of like, you know, talk or whatever, but I feel like that's just a reality of the situation. Like this is what Alabama, like just go through their schedule any given year over the past 10, 15 years and look at the scores and see how that goes. Like, or at least since they've moved to the spread, like until this, you know, high powered offense, like basically like Jalen hurts two a year. Like this is basically how it looks a lot of the time for Alabama. So, you know, I think, you know, this was Miami sort of being on the wrong end of that. I don't feel all that terrible. Again, I, I did like some parts of it was just simple executions. I feel like, again, my Alabama's first drive, they ended up scoring. Miami gets them in an early third and seven, you know. Right. How many times is that? How many times is Miami getting that Miami's defense getting off the field on that first drive if you're not playing against Bryce Young and he's not throwing it to like, you know, John Mechie on the sideline, you know. Like, I feel like there is – plenty of room for this team to continue to grow. Uh, I do think you saw the flashes of what they could potentially be. I mean, I think uh, again, one or two things go differently in this Miami Alabama game. I think they probably get into the low twenties, maybe 24 ish. Um, you know, that they got inside the one yard line that would have put them at 20 points. Uh, you know, I, I think that would have been pretty, pretty impressive. You know, I think there was avenues for things to go slightly different. Obviously they went the way it went. Um, but to me, I think that this is still a 10-win team, especially after watching the rest of college football. Uh, I feel like there's a significant drop-off, like, you know, maybe after, like, Texas A&M at number six. Like, Iowa State wasn't overly impressed with them. Um, you know, Notre Dame was not overly impressed with them. Uh, even right. Oklahoma, you know, put themselves got themselves in a tough matchup with Tulane. Like, I do think that there is a tier of college football and Alabama is at the top of that first tier. And that second tier, I think that there's a pretty significant drop-off, you know, between that first tier and that second tier. So, you know, I think Miami might be in that second tier. They might be on the top of that third tier with the potential to, like, really make some noise. But I do think that this could still be a 10-win team. I do think that this is a team that could have a very successful rest of the season. Not saying they're going to run the table and just, you know, mow through everybody, but I think that, you know, any given Saturday, Miami has a chance to win with, uh, you know, with the, with the way that this schedule sort of plays out the rest of the way. Yeah, I don't think there was anyone in the country that had a better showing than Alabama. Would yeah. you agree with that? They yeah, came 100%. out of the gates looking like the best team. I mean, they were the number one ranked team. They validated that to me. I mean, I don't know who's second best, right? That's yeah. up for discussion. But to me, there's a drop off right now. It's only week one and there's always overreactions from week one. We'll get into that a little later. Um, but to me, I mean, Alabama came out and looked by far like the number one team in the country. And, um, you know, again, I, I keep harping on this just because I, I feel like in some ways our podcast, I, I personally, Gabby, I want to educate the Miami hurricanes, college football fans, right? Because I feel like and, and this is not just Miami Hurricanes fans. I feel like this is college football fans in general. It's hard to follow recruiting. It's hard to follow how talented teams really are. I think we fall back. I, I think Miami fans fall back into the trap all the time of we are so talented. Um, we can't be uh, losing to teams like this by, you know, 30 plus points, which I, I agree with. You know, I was hoping for a more competitive game. Uh, myself, but it, it's also hard to deny when you see it in black and white, right? That, that there is a big gulf 
in terms of talent between Alabama and Miami. And for Miami to overcome that, Alabama would have had to play a C-plus game, and Miami probably would have had to play close to an A game, right? They would have had to play at their very best. Alabama would have had to play above average by their standard. And look, the team talent composite, which is 24-7 sports metric to measure how talented a team is, um, kind of illustrates that. Alabama is the number one team on that list. Miami is number 13. And it, it's a big gulf when you look at the number uh, that is produced um, you know, for that metric. And look, the team talent composite, it is not a, a predictor of success or anything like that, uh, but it does tell you what the potential of a team is. It, you know, if a team is playing at its highest efficiency, peak efficiency, how good can they be? Well, when Alabama is at peak efficiency, which frankly, I would say is what we saw on Saturday, yeah. mm-hmm. they're going, nobody's going to beat them. That's not happening. Um, and when, when Miami's at peak efficiency, you know, they're the 13th most talented roster in the country. Um, Alabama has 14 five stars on their roster. Here are some of the five stars that made plays in that game for Alabama. Okay. Quarterback Bryce Young. I feel like that one hit. Uh, Running back Trey Sanders, who was a backup, but he had a 20 yard run for a touchdown in the game as they piled on the points. Right. Left tackle Evan Neal. I feel like he's a difference maker. Uh, outside linebacker, Will Anderson. I feel like he's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, he's all right. Um, Drew Sanders, right? So when Christopher Allen got injured for that game in the first quarter, I believe, they replaced him with Drew Sanders. Five-star, he's either, uh, I think he's in his second year. Yeah. Um, came in, played, you know, racked up six tackles, played very well, did his job. Um, so those are just some of the five stars that were impact players. You compare that to Miami, right? Miami has two five stars and they're both true freshmen. They are James Williams and Leonard Taylor. So Miami, if we're being honest, is is at the very start of this uh, quest to try and get on that Alabama level. Um, And you can be in the stars don't matter crowd. Um, You know, that's kind of been debunked by now. And Miami can Miami needs to get there with stacking talent. Um, and if they do that, you know, two or three years from now, and James Williams and Leonard Taylor are five stars that are starting in two or three years, which they will be, and they will be making plays. Um, and hopefully Miami has stacked other five stars behind them. Then we can have this conversation, in my opinion, about why isn't this game really more competitive or, or truly be upset about the result of this type of game. You know, I think too, Gabby, you can look at the transfers, right? Even mm-hmm. if you just look at transfers and Miami has been transfer you, right? Like no one's owned the transfer portal like Miami. Um, but you look at who Alabama brought in, Henry Toa Toa, right? Difference making linebacker. He was all over the field, helped bottle up Miami's run game. Uh, wide receiver, 
Jamison Williams, Ohio State transfer, best wide receiver on the field. He could not get on the field at Ohio State, uh, but he transfers to Alabama and is instantly their best playmaking receiver on the team and a guy that Miami can't cover, right? Um, compare those transfers to Miami's transfers who, you know, I think are, are good, solid players. Uh, DeAndre Johnson, Tyreek Stevenson, Charleston Rambo, Justice Oluation, right? They had, they were solid, but they didn't change a game like Henry Toa Toa and Jamison Williams did. So even in that transfer market, Alabama dominated Miami with the talent acquisition. And then, you know, this is kind of a, a tired point at, at this point with Alabama talent acquisition talk, but you look at their secondary in particular, right? And you see four-star cornerback Josh Job, who was at one time committed to Miami, and you see four-star safety Jordan Battle. Job went to Miami Columbus. Jordan Battle went to St. Thomas Aquinas. Both those guys are two of the best players at their position. Both those guys balled out on Saturday against Miami. These are the type of recruiting battles. You're not going to win all of them, but Miami needs to start winning more of them. We saw evidence of that by landing James Williams in this 2021 cycle, right? Um, So look, if we're going to compare Miami to Alabama, which I'm fine with, I'm fine for that game. I'm fine for the measuring stick uh, talk. Uh, you also need to recognize that Alabama is just on a different level. And Miami, to me, is two or three more recruiting classes away. Um, and so I guess that kind of ends my rant. I don't know. Was that good or? No, nah, it was money. I think it's something people need to hear, too, because it's just like I feel like everyone's like at least what I'm reading on, like the Twitter timeline and all that stuff. It's just people just kind of like oh, uh, they were uncompetitive and all that stuff. And like, yeah, sure. You know what? Yeah, maybe they were, but it's... The first half needed to be more competitive. Definitely. It did. I agree with that. Like, it did. Um, but at the same time, there's levels to this and Miami exactly. ain't on that level right now. Not I don't know. Close. For I all the know. reasons that you just said. Like, I think people need to just like wake up and smell the coffee or maybe just listen to Through the Smoke more. And just there kind of go. educate themselves on what's really going on around the college football landscape and in Coral Gables. Cause uh, yeah, there needs to be a different level of talent acquisition in order to play with the big boys on that stage. I think it was very, very evident on Saturday. And my know. biggest thing is let's not be the week one over overreaction podcast. Yeah. Let's not be the week one overreaction fan base, yeah. right? Look, it was extremely disappointing it sucks seeing it in black and white. Like Miami is nowhere close to Alabama. But didn't we kind of know that coming in, um, in the back of our heads, right? Again, we would have liked to hope, right? (laughs) I I hope that people understood that. We would have liked for it to be more competitive. Um, It wasn't. But to me, this season's always been about 10 wins. Can this team get 10 wins? We'll find out more about that question, the answer to that question, quite frankly, this week against Appalachian State uh, than we will against Alabama. Um, let's. So what are, what are some of your week one thoughts with the ACC, Gabby? Because it was a really poor showing for the conference, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, which, again, to this point of like, why? I mean, Miami 
needs to be held to that 10 win standard this year. You know, Alabama, that game is what it is, but the rest of the season, it's not uh, a cake schedule. I don't think, but each game from here on out is extremely winnable. And if Miami uh, plays at a peak efficiency level, which is a step they need to take as a program, um, why can't they win 10 games? But thoughts on, on week one, particularly that North Carolina result. What'd you think of that? Cause that's obviously the game we've all had yeah. circled now for what, nine, 10 months. Yeah. I think, it, I think it puts things into perspective a little bit, right? Like I think everyone's kind of coming into the year, sort of picking North Carolina to, to come out of the coastal. And, you know, I think that there's an, I think you see that there's an opportunity there. Like, and you see that, you know, the, Giants of the Coastal, this next program that's supposed to be in line to potentially take down Clemson might not be who everyone thinks they, they are. I mean, you, you lose 2,000 2, yard rushers, you lose a bunch of receivers and, you know, you become like, you know, these programs that aren't stacking talent the way Alabama is and aren't doing all that are susceptible to these sort of drop offs these of dropping these types of games. So, yeah. you know, watching North Carolina lose week one is, in, I think, as a Miami fan you know, one that understands what like the realistic focus is and that is getting to Charlotte. Uh, that's a big deal. That That's a huge deal just because, just because you're walking into, you haven't, or you're not going to start ACC play for a few weeks now, but your potentially biggest, you know, I guess competition in the coastal already has a loss next to their name, you know, in the conference. So I think it's a huge deal that North Carolina lost, you know, I thought it was just across, you know, the ACC aside from North Carolina, it was, I mean, I think it makes Virginia Tech a little bit more, right. you know, you got to maybe put them in focus a little they bit played more. Like well. they, yeah, they played a good game. You know, I'm not like sitting here like, oh, my gosh, Virginia Tech after that performance. I think it's I think it says a lot more about North Carolina than maybe it does about Virginia Tech. Um, you know how that that the result points. of that game. They only yeah. scored 10 points. Yeah, 10 points. That, that's nuts. I mean, you're talking about a potential Heisman Trophy winner in Sam Howell, uh, three interceptions, 10 points. I think that's pretty inexcusable. Like at least Miami didn't do that, you know, glass half full, like, um, but I mean, do you have any takes on that Virginia Tech North Carolina game? I, I, I was stunned watching it. And fun and fun fact, I was at Fort Lauderdale Dillard while that game was going on. Another person walking around the sidelines at Dillard was Florida state head coach, Mike Norvell and him and one of the assistant coaches that he was with were just like, absolutely like blown away at like how oh, that really? game was going. Yeah. They were like talking about it, like going back and forth, like, checking the ESPN scores and like, they're like, they're down 14 zero or whatever it was. I think maybe Virginia Tech got up 14 seven or something like that. Like, Oh, it's 14 seven. Like, like North Carolina, like watching them kind of go back and forth about that. Like it was a big deal. It was a big deal. I yes. think people had a lot people had really, really high expectations, maybe a little bit too high for North Carolina. And I think it just shows that this team is very, very beatable. And uh, you know, it's not just a given that or a shoe in that North Carolina is just going to, run away with the coastal. Like if they lost Virginia Tech in the opener, uh, I think that there is reason to believe that there's a few more games out there that might maybe. be tougher for them to win that maybe previously anticipated. Yeah. Week ones are weird, right? That's yeah, kind of sure, like, sure. they're weird. I, I do like, just like I think Miami is going to get back on track. I think North Carolina is going to get back on track too. And I still think that game will end up deciding the coastal. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that North Carolina result, um, it is interesting. I thought, you know, Michigan State to me looked good. Yeah. Like that's not going to be an easy win for Miami in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, 
we've touched on NC State. I think they looked yeah. pretty good. Florida State, you know, they look like they are definitely a better team yeah, than they sure. than they are than they were last year. Um, you know, how much better? I think it is to be determined. Um, but I did not think they would be competitive against Notre Dame, and they certainly were. And look, that Mackenzie Milton story, you know, if that doesn't give you goosebumps, yeah, I don't know what what will, right? So very cool story there to see Mackenzie Milton get in the game and do as well as he did. Um, so, yeah, let's just wrap it up with, you know, look, obviously the week one result for Miami against Alabama, disappointing. Um, but football season is a long season right? And, uh, you know, this season was, was never about the Alabama game. Uh, it was always about winning 10, 10 games in the regular season slash that North Carolina game. Um, and to me, you know, for, for some reason, I, I, maybe I'm reading too much into it, right, Gabby, but I'm getting vibes of disappointment level of this Alabama loss being close or at the same level as the disappointment level as last year's North Carolina loss. To me, they're two completely different things. Oh, completely separate. That North Carolina game last year was inexcusable. And Mm -hmm. that disappointment was valid. Being disgusted by that game was valid. Um, This Alabama game, again, to me, kind of is what it is. Uh, You know, you just found out you're not anywhere close to the best program ever in college football as they reload. Um, Your shot was uh, hoping that Bryce Young wouldn't be a dude. Turns out he's just as good as, as everyone else (laughs) they've had here in recent years. So again, my message, this is a long season. Let's see how this Appalachian state game goes. Um, And, you know, I think we can recalibrate how we feel about this Miami Hurricanes team after that result. So let's take a break here, Gabby. Let's kind of recap maybe some of the news and nuggets that came out of today's press conferences with the UM coaching staff. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we are back. Um, Gabby? You have the unfortunate task of uh, <laughs> transcribing Manny Diaz every Monday, right? Uh, so let's just start with you. Like, what stood out to you today about Manny Diaz's? Because he had a lot of explanations on various topics, yeah, in terms of what happened against Alabama. 
what stood out to you uh, in terms of what he told the media about that game? Because I feel like he was very open and honest. Yeah. And a lot of times fans don't like or I feel like they like it, but they also don't like the explanations, right? They always yeah. view them as I think it's a double-edged sword, yeah. But what did you find maybe most interesting that, that Manny Diaz shared? Yeah, um, I mean, I think, I think Chris asked a very, like, a, I think it was a tough question, but a very fair question. I mean, I feel like it's something people have been talking about, um, just about, you know, getting down 27-0 and just kind of like how he explained it. Um, to me, I mean, I feel like that makes sense, like just to read the, the just to read the entire transcription just so there's like you know some perspective um this is basically what he said uh 27-0 is a series of events that occur now it looks like non-competitive not ready to play those types of things that to me is that it's a game that of it's a game that of football and things occur in a game and to that point it's a competition execution things we're able to do at that level that we can match they're going to be difficult to beat anyways. We had to win the critical situations. We had to win the turnovers. We had to win explosive plays, and it went the other way. And that's why this, the score looked the way that they looked. I remember that they've been doing this to pretty much everybody and that they've won the national championship game by 30 points. I mean, you got to do everything right to give yourself a chance and to win. And by all means, we did enough wrong to put ourselves in a huge hole. I mean, I think that to me, it's, it's again, it's just like a brutally honest answer. Uh, you know, you obviously, again, hope to be competitive in that game. I mean, I thought, man, I thought Manny Diaz was pretty transparent today. You know, I thought that, uh, you know, he gave a super long opening statement, just basically highlighting like every little thing. Um, you know, we got him in a third down, third down in five or more, 14 times. Yeah. And like, you know, that's, that's what you wanted. That's what we, that's what we talked about, right? Putting them in third and long situations, you know, hoping that you can get pressure on the quarterback. They said that, that Miami on, was only on the winning end of that four times. You know, it's little things like that where just like, you know, it just felt like, you know, it, it's just an, those unfortunate things where you just got beat. And I think that's ultimately what his like big theme was that Alabama was the better team than Miami on Saturday. And I think, again, I think it's just that unfortunate reality. Um, I guess a couple, I mean, other things. Tell me this. Good. Yeah. The, the, they lost the national or they won the national championship game by 30 points quote to me. Like that's what we're talking about here where he's yeah. being honest but also the fan base isn't going to like hearing that. Yeah. What do you, how do you feel? How do you receive that? Do you get annoyed by that? Like, do you think it's soft that he said that or. I mean, I don't think it's soft at all. Like I, I I genuinely am at the point where just like, I don't know what people are like expecting at this point. Like, I don't like, I get it. Like you want to be competitive in that game. I mean, I know people are pointing at Tulane and what they did to Oklahoma, but breaking news, Oklahoma is not Alabama. Like, yeah, I'm they're sorry. Not on that they're, level. they're not on that level. You know, Minnesota was competitive with Ohio state for a half. CJ Stroud is not Bryce young. I mean, I feel like that's pretty evident too. Yeah. You know, like I feel like there's, there's just, there's just levels to this. I'm not, like, I'm not upset by it. It's the fact like they went into a national title game last year and won by like more, more than doubled up the Ohio state. Like the second best team in the country who beat a Trevor Lawrence led Clemson team was doubled up in the national title game. Like, you know, right. this is just who they are. And like, they're, it's not like, yeah, they lost a ton of guys and all that stuff, but we're talking about the team talent composite. Like we just hit on that. Not many other teams have the amount of talent to replace those sort of losses the way Alabama does. You know, they replace these generational talents with generational talents. Like, you know, like right. they are, they are a machine at this point. They have a trillion analysts. 
Um, they have a bunch of people behind the scenes that are doing stuff. They have a staff that is not comparable to what Miami has in Coral Gables, what any program really has, like what Alabama has. They have three NFL head coach, or, or what is it, two NFL head coaches that are assistants, assistants. under a, another former NFL head coach in Nick Saban. Like, you know, I think it's just people need to understand that there's just a different level of operation in Alabama. The way that they do things is just, I'm not mad about it. Long story short, I'm not mad about the quote. I think it's the harsh reality of college football. The only way to make that, to, to make up for that is just to beat them. And Miami just obviously doesn't have what they have to beat them. Not a lot of teams do. This team could easily win a, a second straight national title. And I mean, what are you really going to do at that point? I think people just need to learn. Some my hope with this, my hope, my biggest hope for this game is that it's even more, and I'm not saying Manny Diaz already doesn't understand this, but I hope this just amplifies this point even more. You have to go out and win recruiting battles. You have yeah. to go out and land the studs of the studs, right? Because otherwise, you're coming to a game with DJ Scaife as your right tackle, right? You're coming to a game with, and look, Corey Flagg and Keontre Smith, I thought they played well compared to what we saw last year. Um, but would those guys be backups on Alabama's defense even, right? So, yeah. you know, players matter. And to me, that's the biggest thing Nick Saban has embraced and Nick Saban understands is that you have to live and die with recruiting. Mm -hmm. You have to keep stacking talent. Um, and, and now it's at the point where it's easy for him to recruit because mm -hmm. he can go to any five-star and say, hey, is your goal to go to the NFL? Oh, it is? Okay. Check out how many first-round picks we produced last year. Um, at your position, probably. Right. So, again, we're, we're, we're harping on this point, but yeah. I thought Manny Diaz was pretty transparent. I get it if what he says make you roll your eyes. Um, but what do you want the guy to say? Do you want him to just say nothing and bristle and, and be angry? Or do you want him to try and be transparent and give a valid explanation? Um, I guess some other things to touch on with Manny Diaz from the press conference. He said Mike Harley, um, I guess he sustained an upper extremity injury. Um, I believe in the third quarter of the Alabama game. I don't, I didn't see it live. I must've been writing or working while it happened. So I don't know the extent of it other than it's an upper extremity injury. Um, but he was asked about Mike being available for Appalachian state. And he essentially said, you know, it's kind of, I, I would say it's still up in the air, but they did get some news, I guess this morning that had it more, trending more positive direction that he might be available. Um, but I don't think it's a shoe in that he's going to, going to play. Um, Manny was also asked about Sam Brooks and, and whether he's going to return anytime soon. Um, doesn't sound like he's going to be back for a while, which I would say lines up kind of with what we see out in practice with mm -hmm. his movement. He's not quite back to where he was before his toe injury stuff. Um, he was asked about the pass rush from the defensive line. He felt like they did a good job with pressures. Now they didn't get home and finish with sacks, but he felt like they did a good job with pressures and getting Bryce Young off his spots, but Bryce still found ways to make them pay. Um, so yeah, that was Manny Diaz. I guess Justice Oluation, we kind of touched on it earlier. 
he, it looks like he's going to start Rhett Lashley. Rhett Lashley kind of said, you know, that's not totally a done deal yet, but it does seem like it's trending that way. He's listed as the starter on the official depth chart for whatever that's worth. Um, And then we spoke with Travaris Robinson who, you know, mainly talked about how he feels like the defense needs to clean up the tackling in the secondary. Um, They need to do a better job of setting edges and containing those runs. Um, So that seems like the main focus there. Travaris Robinson, quite frankly, too, uh, was open and said, look, against Alabama, our first key was stopping the run. We felt like we did that. And he basically gave props to Bryce Young and was like, look, he was better than we expected. (laughs) So Bryce Young uh, impressed everyone in the UM program with the way he played in his first college start. Um, Rhett Lashley, you know, he was, he spoke with the media after T-Rob and he was asked about the conservative start and Rhett, you know, pushed back on that notion and he pointed to execution, right? He says, you know, from his perspective, there was a lack of ex- execution in the first half with pass protection, uh, which led to some sacks. Uh, he said on the fumble, the sack fumble, which is, I did notice this as well on the rewatch. On the sack fumble, uh, they had a deep shot that was looking like it was going to be pretty open and, you know, the pass protection did not hold up at all. Derek King had no time. And that was a sack force fumble. I think DJ Scaife might've played one more series and then they, they yanked them and put in justice. And from that point on, Rhett Lashley felt like the pass protection improved. And as a result, you saw the offense kind of get more into a rhythm and move the ball. They didn't get points like they would have wanted. They didn't finish drives with touchdowns, but they did move the ball. Um, He also kind of hinted in the first quarter, he said De'Ara King made a bad read on one of those RPOs where he ran, he gave the ball, and Cam Harris ran the ball into numbers, whereas if De'Ara kept the ball and threw it, there was about a 20-yard gainer through the air that could have been hit if it was a – you know, accurate ball. Um, he also said penalties got him off schedule in that first quarter. So again, maybe, the, maybe you view this as excuses. I'm just explaining what Rhett Lashley said um, for that slow start. Uh, but he, he did feel like the protection improved with justice. And as a result, you know, in that second half, you saw the offense kind of move the ball a little bit better. Um, so yeah, that was kind of it with Rhett. Early thoughts on App State, Gabby. Uh, you know, Appalachian State's not a name brand in college football, right? Um, and it's probably a, a team that Miami fans don't really give much attention to. And I'm not saying they should, but I, I do think Appalachian State is a better program than Miami fans realize. The last, I think it's six years, five or six years. I think it's six. They've averaged 10 wins a season. I think in three of those seasons, they've had at least 11 wins uh, in a season. And they are quite frankly, they're in the discussion of being one of the best group of five programs in the country. 
Um, what what do you do you know anything about App State right now, or is there anything that you found impressed? Like they they got some impressive stats, right? Nine straight yeah. years of a thousand yard rusher. Mm-hmm. They get it done on the ground. Manny Diaz made it clear with that. Um, what's your early take on, on this App State game? Just how Miami matches up? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, App State's going to want to run the ball. Like, you know, I feel like that is something. I, I feel a little bit better about Miami's ability to do that after watching Alabama. Um, again, I thought that was going to be one of the keys to the game. And again, I thought they did a better job than I thought they were probably going to do coming in. I mean, App State has a couple guys, uh, Nathaniel Noel, who some people listening to this might be familiar with. Uh, Miami Northwestern product in his second year with the, yeah. with the Appalachian State program. He went off for 50, he had 15 carries, 126 yards with a long of 46, averaged 8.4 yards per carry in that opener against ECU. Um, that's a big win for them. I mean, App State is probably considered a smaller school, I'm, I'm assuming, yeah. than ECU. Uh, I mean, I'm not 100% sure about the enrollment there, but I mean, I think college football wise, you hear ECU, Appalachian State. I don't know. I feel like that's a I feel like they're probably right there. So I thought they handled them up pretty good in Charlotte. And then right behind them, you had a guy named Cameron, Cameron Peoples, who, you know, he averaged 7.1 yards per carry, 14 rushes for 100 yards. So, you know, talk about having a thousand yard rusher. They have two guys that are that are well on their way. It seems like that's probably their first priority. I mean, you hear Manny Diaz in his press conference today. He talked about how, you know, they are going to run that outside zone. It's hard to simulate in practice. You can't really get a scout team to sort of give you the look that they're going to give you. So, you know, there is going to be a challenge on that aspect of just like really having to hammer down that run. I mean, Chase Bryce, the quarterback at App State, he's a name that Miami fans probably could be potentially familiar with. He was a quarterback at Duke last year. Uh, I think he only totaled like 94 total yards. He didn't throw an interception, didn't throw a pick. I think he led the country in, in interceptions yeah. last year. If I, if, yeah, if I remember correctly. Um, you know, he had two touchdowns and one interceptions in that opener, went 20 of 27, 259 uh, against ECU. I really think it's about stopping the run overall. You know, I'm not like blown away by like, you know, the overall defense of App State. You know, they gave up 381 total yards to ECU. I think Miami could very easily go higher than that. Um, gave up 20 points in that over. I, I would expect Miami to get back on track in this one, long story short, of just like how I sort of expect this one to go. Yeah. Chase Bryce transferred from Duke. He did throw 15 interceptions last year. I do think the person personnel around him at app state is much better than it was at Duke. So we'll see if he can be a better quarterback this year because of it, you know, just watching a little bit of that East Carolina game, they made it easy for him with little rollouts and easy dump offs to receivers in the flats. Um, You know, they work the play action deep shot off their run game. You know, to your point, Cameron Peoples, to me, he's the guy at running back. I think last against North Texas in their bowl game last year, he ran for 300 plus yards. Wow. Um, He's six foot two, 220. To me, he's more talented than, or not, I don't know, talent is the right word, but he's, he's a better player from what we've seen so far than any of Alabama's running backs. Um, he runs behind, you know, App State's offensive line is small. You know, they're a group of five line, but they are a feisty bunch and they are uh, experienced. A lot of starts in that group. Yeah. Um, I feel like they got two solid group of five level receivers, not necessarily burners, but guys that can body up and, and make contested catches. 
defensive line, you know, it's an undersized group. Again, it's a group of five level defensive line. Um, not too impressed with them, but I did like the body types and the athleticism Appalachian state featured on the back seven, you know, for a group of five level defense. I think they got some linebackers in particular that can run and hit. So it'll be interesting to see if, if Miami can get their running game going when matched up against them. Um, you know, I think there, there could be scrambling opportunities for DR King, you know, watching that East Carolina game. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll get in more to, into app state as the game gets closer here. Um, let's end it on, on this note, Gabby. So betting line opened up at seven and a half. I think Miami was only a seven and a half point favorite at home against Appalachian state. It has now moved up to eight, which I see, uh, currently here Monday afternoon. I would imagine that line will keep going up. Are you surprised that the line is only eight at this point? Yeah, I mean, I think it's what you've been saying, David. I think it's typical week one overreaction to everything. I think Miami, I was I was pretty surprised, but again, I guess not super surprised sort of knowing how it works and how much the line moves. I honestly wouldn't be super surprised to see this become like a double digit spread by kickoff on Saturday. Right. And I'd be surprised if Miami doesn't win by double digits. If Miami does not beat Appalachian State by double digits, uh, I will be joining everyone that's having a meltdown for that Alabama game. So (laughs) we will will talk more about Appalachian State here coming up. Maybe do another mailbag podcast. Uh, Maybe have an Appalachian State expert on to kind of let everyone know what they're all about. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Sorry about my Alabama rant, Alabama game rant. Um, but just need to get some things off my chest, I guess. That's what we're here for. <laughs> Anyways, I, I, I would say stay tuned to this team. Don't give up on this team yet. Um, we'll see how they respond against Appalachian State. And till next time, take care, guys. Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Beats.